So I want to ask this morning how everyone is doing with their New Year's resolutions. How are you doing with your New Year's resolutions this year? Depending upon who you talk to, the average, uh, the average study tells us that some, uh, some of us are between 7 and 10 days out from completely abandoning our New Year's resolutions. So how are you doing? Are you still making it with your New Year's resolutions? Are they sort of waning a little bit in your life? Have you decided to call it quits? What I've tried to do in the, the last few years anyway is, is try a, a, a different kind of approach to my New Year's resolutions. I've often done New Year's resolutions over the time, but it's been several years since I've had a formal resolution that I have followed. But what I do is I, every year when this new year comes around, I do try to find a way to renew my energies towards setting routines, reviewing my goals, and doing that year over year. And so this year, one of my goals is to pick up on uh, reading through the Bible. And so I've been doing that actually a little bit of last year. And so as uh, I was going through the end of last year, I was doing the Old Testament. And so as we approach the new year, uh, the new year found me actually finishing the books of the Kings, First and Second Kings, and entering into First and Second Chronicles. That's what I've been doing as, as the new year has found me. And so I don't know if you've ever read Chronicles, but it can be laborious. Uh, the Chronicles can be a little tedious, but they're really worthwhile, especially towards the end of uh, First Chronicles. As you get through some of the, the rules there that have been chronicled and listed before us, and the kings and the people that are uh, listed there, there are these impressions that are in the, the end of First Chronicles that really stood out to me this year as I've been reading. And I wanted to share them with you a little bit today. And as we turn the page into this new year, these are some impressions that we can take uh, with us. And, and so what are these nuggets? What are these, these nuggets of wisdom that I'm pulling from the Bible to guide us in 2022? Well, as a church, we talk about forging relationships. We talk about how forging relationships is important to us. Forging relationships with God is the first relationship that we want to be most intentional about. And so uh, this, this nugget of, of truth that I want to pull from is forging relationship with God. And it's more about how we do that than what we do. Let me say that again. The nugget of truth that I want you to hear this year is that forging a relationship with God is more about how you do that than what you do. If we can get that understanding, uh, it's going to go a long way to helping us in this new year. We seem to be consumed with the word what. We are consumed with this word of what. Uh, did, I don't know if you know this, but did you know that growing closer to God in the top three uh, New Year's resolutions that people have this year, according to a study that I read in Lifeway, um, uh, Lifeway uh, studies, is that health, faith, and finances are the top three goals that people have or what they're going to focus on as their New Year's resolutions. Faith, uh, health, faith, and finances followed closely with family time and personal time. People want to grow closer to God. And as the calendar page flips and the new year begins, people are using this time to reflect on their past and look forward to their future. And we start thinking, what can we do to grow closer to God? That's what we start asking ourselves. What can I do this year to grow closer to God? In fact, as I said, it's the second greatest goal that people have according to this study. What can I do to get closer to God? And so we begin this to-do list. Right, the to-do lists begin. We start checking these things off. This year, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, or I'm going to read the Bible every day. 
I'm going to get a new devotional so that I can read and do this devotional and I'm going to stay on top of that. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to volunteer more. I'm going to spend more time at church. That's what I can do. Or I'm going to join a growth group. That's what I'm going to do this year. We start asking ourselves, what can I do? And then somewhere between January 15th and the end of the month, most people have abandoned their goals and they've gone back to accepting their status quo relationship with God. Most people have given up. As a culture, we are consumed with what? We're consumed with what? What car do you drive? What money is in your bank account? What was the last trip that you took? What was the last vacation? What is your job? What is your educational status? What are you doing in life to achieve more? What are you doing in life to get more? What are you doing in life to be more? What is this great question that we're always asking? Even in the church, even in the church, there are so many conferences and web, uh, webinars that fill my inbox every single week about what we can do to be more attractive and reach more people and what systems we can put in place in order for us to grow as a church. I remember probably going back years, almost maybe 10 or 15 years ago now, there were outreach conferences all the time, these big churches that were putting all these programs out. And they were saying, you know, hey, you know, this is what you can do in your youth program. This is what you can do in your small group program. Here's what you can do for stewardship or volunteerism. If you do this, then you will grow. If you buy the system and you do what we say and you implement this program, then your church will grow. And, and so people were flocking to these things. I know I was paying attention to what we were learning from these different churches. And, and there was a lot that was good from there. But here's the problem. These programs were, were getting picked up. They were being purchased. And churches were putting them into place. And they would do what they were told to do. And the churches weren't growing. Why? Why, why wasn't it working? If, if it was working for one church, why was it working for the other church? Why is it? Because we were all consumed with what? We're all consumed with what? We're more focused on what to do because what is easier? Do this, try that. If you do, then you will get. But when all you do is focus on what, you miss the how. And the how is really where all the change happens. The how is where change happens. In fact, only focusing on what you're going to do to grow closer to God this year will only get you so far. Without the how, eventually everything that you're doing in the what becomes a chore, and you end up giving up. And that's why so many New Year's resolutions fail, because people only focus on the what. How we approach God is what really matters. Because if you don't get that right, you're never going to be able to have a good relationship with God. And I want us to forge a relationship with God really, really well in 2022. Now, there's a story in the Chronicles, as I told you I've been reading here, and there's a story about King David. And King David is chronicled all throughout the books of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, and then into the Chronicles, there's this incredible lineage of David's story. It's really more like a, a reality TV show. It's incredible. It, 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 there isn't a reality TV show that's even uh, as, as important or as, as popular as this with all the drama and the scandal and as you read through these pages. And woven throughout all of this is this incredible story of David's relationship with God. 
how he forged a relationship with God. Now, if you're not familiar with David's story in First uh, and Second Samuel, or if you haven't read this story in a really long time, I would encourage you to check it out. I can go back and, and find uh, some of those, those words in, in the, the, the First and Second Samuel. Check out David's story about how he was anointed as a child king, or how he grew from being a shepherd to a warrior to, to being a leader of an entire people. Read about this family drama that includes his different wives and his children. And you will see that there are times where David drew really close to God. And at other times, he just pulled away. There were moments where his desires got the better of him, and he turned his back completely on God. And there are other times where he was so consumed with his relationship with God that literally God calls him a man after my own heart. That God calls him, calls David a man after his own heart. But be forewarned, as you're reading through David's life, as you're reading these words, and you read what he did, you might get a little confused. You might get a little confused. What David did doesn't match up with what you and I might picture as being the the ideal for what a person who's after God's own heart would look like. David fails as many times as he succeeds. What he does to forge a relationship with God, that's not going to help us. But what will help us is how David approaches God despite his failures. That's what will help us as we understand our relationship with God better. So in chapter 21 of 1 Chronicles, we're going to read about this time where David makes this huge mistake. He makes a huge mistake, and God is really, really angry with David, actually. And without getting into all the details, you can read the story if you want, but here's the thing. David made a decision that put him at odds with God. It, it put him at odds with God, and, and David actually chose to trust money and his own power rather than looking for God to provide for him. And so when David was confronted about this, this is what we see. We see in, in uh, verse 8, chapter, one, uh, chapter 21 of First uh, Chronicles, verse 8, Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt for doing this foolish thing. This is an incredible thing where David makes a mistake and he then says to God, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I did this foolish thing against you, God. I am sorry. And God says to him, essentially, he comes to him and says, all right, David, uh, through a prophet named Gad, he says, all right, I'm going to forgive you, but there are consequences to your sin. You made a mistake and there are consequences because of that uh, sin. And so here's what we're going to do. It's kind of like a game show now. Uh, not, a, not so much a reality TV show as a game show. Gad, Gad says, Listen, God's going to give you three options. Pick one of them. Pick door number one, door number two, or door number three. Door number one is three years of famine. So if you want, you want door number one, it's three years of famine. If you want door number two, it's going to be three months of being overtaken by your enemies. And door number three is I'm going to release the angel of the Lord and I'm going to allow God to bring a plague upon the people. Door number one, door number two, or door number three. And David chose door number three. And the reason why he chose the plague, the reason why he chose that is he essentially said, he said, let me fall into the hands of God, fall upon his mercy. The other things I'm falling into uh, people's hands, the hands of mankind, I want to just fall on the Lord's mercy. I'm going to depend upon him. And so he chose door number three and the Lord sent a plague. This is an incredible story. He sends a plague. And according to the Bible, 70,000 men died from this plague. In three, uh, three days, there were three days where this plague was coming, 70,000 men died from this plague. 
And as the angel of the Lord was destroying Israel, he was just wiping people out, God eventually says, enough. The scripture records it. it says, God says, enough. It's time for you, angel of the Lord, to remove your hand from attacking the people of God. And the Bible says, David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with his sword drawn. And David and the elders fell with their face to the ground. And then David says this to God. He says this. He says, I am the one who called for the census. I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. But these people are as innocent as sheep. What have they done? O Lord my God, let your anger fall against me and my family, and, but do not destroy your people. Then the Lord spoke to the angel who put the sword back into its sheath. When David saw that the angel had answered his prayer, he offered sacrifices. Now at that time, the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar of the burnt offering that Moses had made in the wilderness, they were located at the place of worship in Gibeon. But David was not able to go there to inquire of the Lord because he was terrified by the drawn sword of the angel of the Lord. Then David said, this will be the location for the temple of the Lord and the place of the altar for Israel's burnt offerings. Friends, here's what I want you to understand. What David did was sinful. It was sinful. What David did was against God. What David did brought consequences against him, against his family and his friends. It came against tens of thousands of people around him. His sin was so great. And what David did was not as important as how he approached God. David made a mistake. He knew he was wrong. He repented and he asked God for forgiveness. And then with humility and with trust, David went and approached God to restore his relationship with God. David prayed and then he established a place for the people to make offerings and sacrifices and for the people to grow closer to God. One of the nuggets of wisdom that I see here in the scripture is I see in David's relationship with God, it's something, with God, it is something that we can apply this year, and that's this. It's that David never gave up. David never gave up. He was constantly working out. He was constantly going back and forth. He was constantly wrestling with. He was constantly in a relationship with God. He never gave up. It was not a one-sided relationship. David approached God with respect and with familiarity. He, res he respected God in, in honor, but he also knew him as his Lord. As Christians who are seeking to grow closer to God, this is a lesson for us even today. What you do is important. I would not recommend you following the footsteps of David on this sinful act of trying to, uh, to do a, a, a census, like offending God the way David did. But even if you did something as, as egregious as that, the story reminds you that God will forgive you. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, God will forgive you. And as a church that says we value forging a relationship with God, these are the building blocks of faith. These are the ABCs, forging a relationship with God. doesn't mean that you're going to get everything right. It doesn't mean you're going to get it right. 
every single time. It doesn't even mean that there's some formula, some, some devotion that you can do, or some prayer that you can pray, or some book you can read that's going to say you are a good Christian. There's nothing that's going to be as formulaic as that about what you do before God. Forging a relationship with God is all about connection. It's all about connection. It has less to do with what you do this year and has everything to do with how you're going to approach God. So before you make any decisions this year about what you will do this year in growing closer to God, decide how you are going to make space for God in 2022. How are you going to do that? Look at your calendar. Look at your bank account. Right? These are the two places that show us what is most important to us in the world. And so how are you going to show yourself the importance of your relationship with God as you look to your calendar, as you look to your budget, as you look to the places where you spend that which is most precious to you this year? Because a person who is committed to following God, you're going to find all sorts of ways to grow in your faith. But instead of being consumed by what you're going to do to grow closer to God, consume yourself with how you can be a person who grows closer to God this year. If you do this, you will grow in faith this year. So in forging a relationship with God, worry less about what you can do to grow closer to God and nail down how you're going to approach God this year. Who will God be for you in good times and in bad? When you succeed and when you fail this year, how will you approach God? Because when you decide to put Jesus first, when you decide to do that, and you allow this to be the guiding principle in forging relationship with God, you will grow spiritually this year. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to come before you and to, to learn this lesson from David's life. I thank you for these nuggets of truth and wisdom that come to us from your word. And God, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and into our minds today, that you would help us, Lord, to understand how we approach you makes all the difference. What we do is important, but it is not nearly as important as how we approach you. So Lord, help us to approach you in familiarity, but also in humility, trusting that you are God. And we pray all of this today in Jesus' name. Amen.